So the only thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today, it's going to be a different Sunday, and so if you're a visitor here for the first time, actually it's a really good time that you're here because you're going to hear a little bit about our story as Canyon Creek and how we became uh, a church uh, five years ago here on the Palouse. We've actually been uh, a, a church for 15 years, Then I'll talk more about that because we are not just uh, one campus, we're actually several Canyon Creek churches um, that exist all around the Northwest. We're the only Idaho campus, so you guys can give yourselves a big hand for that. And if you're from uh, Pullman, we still consider you, this is the Palouse campus, not the Moscow campus. Just want to let you know. So we love Pullman. We love Moscow. We love the Palouse. And this is our Palouse campus. We are Canyon Creek Church on the Palouse. And guess what? (laughs) How many of you guys love that name, right? Just love it. Well, I'm about to tell you like one of the worst known secrets that's going around right now. And that is we're renaming the place. (laughs) It's true. And we're going to hear more about that. And I'm going to answer the big why, because uh, you might be like, I'm just getting used to Canyon Creek Church, and you're becoming something else. And so we're going to talk about why, and I'm really excited about it. It sounds like a big pain, maybe, to like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to remember a new church name, and I've been telling everybody to come to Canyon Creek Church, and now we're becoming something else. Well, first of all, it's not going to happen, like, next week or anything. So we just wanted to get you, like, uh, sort of prepped for it, what God is going to do, what God is going to use in this moment for us as we took, take our eyes and put it on him and remember that he is the reason. By the way, this is his church, not my church. Um, he builds the church. I don't build it. Uh, he is responsible for every good thing that has happened here, and I'm just along, along for the ride. I really am, and uh, it's been an amazing journey the last five years to be here in a part of this church. I'm excited to tell you more about that, but before I do, I think you should know what the name is and kind of get, so let's, let's just get started. I don't need to say anything else. Here is the video. Venture. A risky or daring journey or undertaking. This fall, we will be changing the name of the church from Canyon Creek Church to Venture Church. We love that word venture because it really sums up our 15-year history. It has been one daring journey with Jesus after another. We're looking ahead to the next 15 years believing that God is going to have us do even more risky, courageous, daring things in the future. Our church is going to be what our church has been. Our values, mission, community, generosity, who we've been, the spirit of our church is exactly the same. But I want to talk this month about the things that we are going to highlight that will really help you and I make sure that we are what we say we're going to be. That we are a church that is daring and courageous. to take this month to let you know how you can help us become Venture. So there it is. Yeah, what do you guys think? All right. 
Well, first of all, let me tell you why we're, this is not the reason that we're doing it. We're not changing the name of our church to sound more cool or hip or anything. Here's the whole reason. We got together, and I remember being a part of this about five years ago. I was on the elder board at our church before there even was a Canyon Creek church on the Palouse, and we started talking about, you know, how the name Canyon Creek, it doesn't really reflect sort of our core values. And at that time, we were like, let's not even think about it. We've got a church that's changing, and we're growing, and so so let's just kind of put that on the back burner. And I'm really excited that it's off the back burner now. And uh, I really believe, I love that word venture. And I really believe that God is going to use that. Because when people see it, they kind of get an idea and a flavor for what, what our, our, our values are. And so I want to talk just a minute. And today, uh, we're going to do things like this. I'm going to share um, our story. Uh, my story, your story, here on the Palouse, and how we began here. And I think that's really important so that we don't lose sight of this community and what God is doing here. It's really beautiful, and I want to share it with you. Um, I'm excited for where we've been. Uh, then I'm going to let our lead pastor, Brandon Beals, who is the pastor over all of our campuses, take just a few minutes, and he's going to uh, talk to us for about 15 minutes about what venture means and why we chose it and, and really what the future looks like for us. And then I want to come back because he actually ends with this question, what's next? Then I want to talk about what's next for us and what I see for our future and what I see God doing in our uh, campus. And it's, it's an amazing journey that we've been through, but we, we don't put the brakes on. We don't just change the name and go, okay, we're done. We actually have this venture, this risky, daring journey as we move forward. So five years ago, our journey to the Palouse began uh, actually, I began with a text from a friend of mine named Terry, and he sent me this text. I actually still have it. It says, hi, Scott, would you consider coming to Moscow to reboot a church I've been helping out? Question mark. Well, so the first thing I did is uh, got, I Googled Moscow because I knew there was a Moscow, Idaho. Uh, first of all, back then it was Moscow to me. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> So I, I looked it up, and, and I was like, wow, okay, it's right near Pullman. Well, I know where Pullman is, and so I sort of, you know, kind of got my geographical route in there and figured it out, and, and I, I just, I was like, I can't, so there's no, you know, I have a business, I'm running a business, and it's going well, and we're just coming out of, you know, difficult financial situation, we're getting out of the 2008 slump, 2009, and, and so I, like, I'm not even thinking about anything else, I'm just, so I told my friend Terry, no, you know, it's probably a good idea for you to talk to our lead pastor, Brandon, uh, and he might, you know, he might know somebody. So, so Terry actually called Brandon, and then Brandon said, you know, hey, this is actually maybe a really good opportunity for us. Uh, he said, there's, you know, there's a group of people out there, the churches, uh, it's, it's small, but they're still hanging on, and they're still believing that God has not finished their story yet. So, so Brandon says, Scott, why don't you pile into a car with me, and uh, we'll go out there with our executive pastor Virgil and we'll just you know go out and meet these people it won't hurt to do that and and uh, you can come help us sort of do the due diligence for it and so little did I know you know Brandon's a bit sly and so he actually had in mind that you know he would off he would ask me if I'd like to be the campus pastor but um, and, and they made jokes kind of along the way I should have picked up on the jokes but I, I said you know ha 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 you know like I couldn't I just there's no way that I could ever come come out to Moscow and so I remember driving here for the first time, and it's, it's funny how, you know, when you visit this place, 
it sort of evaporates all of the, the kind of preconceived notions that you have about it. Like, I was thinking it was just kind of another eastern Washington town. Um, it's nothing like that. I figured it would kind of more be like a farm town, lots of tractors, and, you know, um, maybe like hillbillies walking around. I, I, I just honestly, I didn't know what to think. You know, and I was like, well, there's a college. And, and so it was really neat. And, and, but the coolest thing was, honestly, that night... Um, I, when we got together with a group of people that were here, at the time the church was called Christian Life Center, these were not people that had given up on anything. These were not people who were depressed or hopeless or downtrodden. Actually, it was the, quite, quite the opposite. What I walked into was a group of hopeful people who were trusting Jesus that this was not the end of the story for them as a church. And they were, they were savvy. Like, all of them had done ministry. All of them had been involved in ministry. All of them wanted to do more and grow bigger and do bigger things, but they had just lacked the resources. And then just kind of to back up and tell you another part of the story that is really cool is that when this church had been, so if you backed up like three to five years prior to that, maybe even 10 years prior to that, the church was actually doing really well. And it was during that time that Brandon had taken an offering here while he was speaking to raise money for Canyon Creek Church before we were a church, if you can track with me. And it was the largest offering that this, that this uh, congregation had ever taken, ever. And it was to launch Canyon Creek Church. So isn't that weird? And then here we are back later, like maybe eight to 10 years later, and we're talking to this, these people and they're saying, hey, like, hey, maybe you could come out and reboot us as Canyon Creek Church on the Palouse. And uh, so we looked at it and I, I said, okay, well, I'm going to give this, you know, some consideration. I really felt it was fair to do that after talking to the people that were here. Went and spoke to my wife. I said, you know, hey, I'm not going to ask you. She just had gotten a job, on her, like her dream job. And I said, I can't ask you to quit that, but I really would love for you to come out with me to Moscow and just to kind of hang out and meet some people. And uh, so she visited, and we spent a whole week here. We got to know people like Derek and Jessica and Bob and Terry Hughes, who unfortunately aren't here today with us, and, and Jeff and Carol Breed and others. And it was like, these people are amazing. And at, you know, so, so as it sort of like settled into us, I remember we're driving down the hill from Airport Road, and we're almost to uh, the Pullman Highway there. And, and I said to Sarah, I said, like, what do we do? with all this? How, how, how are you processing it? Because I, like, I didn't want to convince her. I'm very convincing. I'm very, I'm a, you know, I talk for a living. And so I said, I said, Sarah, you have to make your, like, you, you tell me what you think. And I gave her some space and it was really interesting. And she said, she said, Scott, how could we not do this? How could we not do this? We need to do it. And it was in that moment where the Lord really confirmed in us that we were about to take a, a risky, a daring journey to come out to Moscow, Idaho to plant a church. And by the way, for those of you guys who think that it's really sort of just, you know, um, glamorous to plant a church, I'm here to dispel the notion. It is hard. <laughs> it is brutally hard. And, you know, when you're starting your very first Sunday, and there's just a smattering of people. And in fact, there were a lot of dogs. I don't know. I'm serious. There were dogs in the church. At one point, there were three different dogs there. At the end of the service, I went up to Jeff, and I remember saying, hey, dude, can we count these dogs in our attendance? Because I'm a pastor. I need, you know, let's pump the numbers up, you know? So it's like the dogs can count, right? And he said, well, did they say anything? And I said, yeah, I could hear one of them. Woof. Okay, then that was like an amen. So we're going to count. <laughs> that dog. And so, you know, so we grew by three that day. And 
And for those of you guys that were here, you remember that. It was wild and wooly, and, uh, and, and the stage looked completely different. Um, but it was so much fun. It was so much fun to sort of grow into it with these people that were just ready to, to like, how high can I jump? And, and it was amazing to get to know them and to see how they, they were willing to serve. And they just needed to be, you know, led, and they needed to be loved, and, and, and they needed just, you know, some uh, a, a fresh uh, investment in their church. And, and so I was happy to be here for that. And then, of course, we launched. We're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary on October 6th. I hope you can make it. It's going to be a big celebration. Happy birthday, Cannon Creek Church on the Palouse. Um, but as, as we found, uh, founded the church, um, there were many things that we discovered right away. Number one is we were so resource poor. I mean, it was like incredibly, it was like, well, um, I don't know. Can we put out a sign? Um, well, can we print a sign? There's no money. Um, well, can we like maybe uh, do some crayons on a thing? We can't, we can't afford crayons. It was like, you know, it was that. It was just very, very slim. Well, you know, it wasn't maybe as bad as, as not affording crayons, but it was, it was very resource poor. And we did all that we could to sort of squeeze every little bit out of the resources that God has given us. And that's been my mentality ever since day one. So I came from owning a business where, you know, things were good for me and my wife was doing really well in her company. And then by God's grace, she was able to find a job out here. And, uh, but, but for us, we were, we were tightening our purse strings and then coming to the church and really realizing that we got to do the same here. And so we just really saw an opportunity to just steward every little bit of the resources that God has been giving us. And through the generous gifts of his people, we were able to see it multiply. And as we were like, it was, and then we were seeing people come and was like, I never forget the first time we had a guest. Not like, you know, not the dogs, but the actual humans. And, and once we did, I don't know, Bart and Brittany, if you're here, they were like one of our first real guests. And we all were just like amazed by them. Like, hey, you came for us? Wow. And then remember the next Sunday, for some reason, they weren't here. And we were like, oh, no, we lost them. <laughs> but they're still here. <laughs> they're still here. And I'm so thankful for that. Actually, a deacon's on our board right now. And so, so this, is the, this is the whole way that God has really blessed us. Now, I want to tell you this story, not just that you know the story. And I have, I have told it before. But I will say this, that at every difficult moment, it has been an opportunity to depend upon Jesus. I remember the very, before we launched in October of 2014, we had a big cleaning party. I think there's a slide for that. And the cleaning party was, yeah, um, a group of people, you'll notice that, um, that it's very different <laughs> here. And, and so we were all cleaning up and there was, it was just a lot to do. There were, there was old couches in the back and, and everything. And so we had to clean it all up and, and just kind of straighten things up and maybe like paint the ceilings black. I remember somebody said, you need to paint the ceilings black. And I'm like, no, 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 that, that'll never work. You know, it'll look terrible, awful. I couldn't imagine the ceilings being black, but then once they were black, it was like, I get it. Okay. That was a good move. You know? So I was trusting in opinions and trusting in God all the way. And people, People showed up to do this stuff. It was crazy. I mean, I, I didn't have to hardly say anything. It wasn't like I was up cajoling. We had 25 people on this cleaning day. There were hardly 25 people in our whole church. It was amazing. And then we launched. And so uh, I have a picture of that. Here's our grand opening. 
Love that sign, you know what I'm saying, right? Crayons and everything. It's a little wrinkly because it doesn't quite fit. I think we cut it with a pair of kid scissors, you know, but we were excited. It was the grand opening, and we had 40 whole people here. I couldn't believe it. We were going, what? 40 people? How could there even? And, and, then, and then it was just like, that blew, blew my mind. 40 people. How could God give us 40 people? It was awesome. Um, and so it's been, it's been quite a venture. It really has been. But I wanted to share with this, uh, share with you a verse that has kept me going through this whole time. We've quoted it a lot around here, and I wanted to share it with all of you if you haven't seen it before, um, or if you haven't been here long enough to hear me preach on it. It's Galatians 6, 9, and that's this, that, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So let me say it again. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so many times where it's been hard, we just keep pressing in because Jesus is totally worth it. It's all about Jesus anyway. And so he is the biggest reason to like go all in for anything in my life, right? I've, I've gone all in for lots of things that have just worn themselves out in my life. I've gone in for lots of stuff. Like I love hobbies and I, there's so many things that I love to get my hands and feet into. And, and then, um, then I just, they, they just evaporate, right? I mean, I have piles of stuff in my garage that are like old. Like I was really going to get into fly fishing and now I just only occasionally fly fish. And I'm like, how did I spend all that money on that? But you know what? Jesus is that thing that never t- tires out. He never gets old. He's always fresh. He's always new. He is the greatest thing ever. And so I, when I stood up here for the very first sermon that I ever preached, I just wanted to honor Jesus, and those are his words, his name was the very first word out of my mouth, and I wanted to, like, if I'm going to begin my ministry, I just want to say Jesus. I just wanted to say Jesus, and I really feel like right now, I want to just say Jesus. Give us the next 10, 20 years in this church. By your grace, will you grow it? By your Holy Spirit, will you reveal yourself to us that we might grow in the truth of your word, that we might grow in scripture, that we might be in love with you, that we might be in love with those around us because of what you have done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the last five years. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want you to hear from Brandon Beals. Brandon is our lead pastor. He's a great friend of mine. He's your friend too. They are a huge support to us. I'm going to go out and see them tomorrow. So I'm really excited to see Brandon and his wife die. Uh, But we're building a new building. And so this opportunity to become venture is, um, is, is, is a part of like meeting up with not just a new building, but a new chapter for our church. And what we're going to do here is going to be amazing. It'll put the last five years to shame in terms of what God is going to do. I want to come back in just a few moments and share with you three things that God is going to be calling us to. And here's Brandon. I want to welcome you to the very first sermon ever preached in our new Central Campus Auditorium. This has been something that has been a dream for honestly 15 years. And five years ago, the leadership of our church began this journey exploring if we should eventually consider possibly changing the name of our church. 
And it was really decided, honestly, those five years ago, that at some point in our future, we should change the name of the church. And we went in depth on that process over the last 12 months. And after 12 months of researching, studying, and it was, we brought in an outside company and it was an intensive process, an incredibly beneficial process for our leadership. I am proud to announce that Canyon Creek Church is now becoming Venture Church. Starting November 3rd, which is, believe it or not, our 15th birthday as a church. Starting November 3rd, we will officially become Venture Church. That word venture is a risky, daring journey or undertaking. We went through a survey about six months ago where we asked every single person across all of our campuses, when they think of our church, what are words, positive and negative, that they attribute to our church? We also surveyed guests within the last two years and asked them. And this was overwhelming their response. There's a story that I shared with our church back when we were at the Ashway building. Some of you have been around long enough to remember that very first building that we were ever in. And when we were in Ashway, I shared a message from Numbers chapter 13. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there, and I want to read from uh, several of the verses, and let me give you an idea of what was going on. The Israelites had been miraculously by God delivered from Egypt, and as they were leaving Egypt, they were heading to what they believed from God was their promise. This amazing land that they would be able to, you know, build homes in and live in for the rest of their life. And God had promised them that this land was flowing with milk and honey. And they finally got to the point where they were about to enter the promised land. Now, you've got to picture this setting. It is like they are on the top of one hill. There is a valley down below. And then the promised land is on this mountainous land just in the distance. And that's where this story takes place. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses... And he said, I want you to send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. So God says, I want you to go to the 12 tribes of Israel. I want each tribe to pick a representative. And I want that group to go into Canaan and spy it out, come back and report back what they see. And over the next 12 verses there are 12 names that are mentioned. 12 men were chosen to represent their individual tribes. And the first thing I want to point out is that we only know two of those men today. We only know Caleb and Joshua. When I think about Venture Church, when I think about you and I becoming Venture, I relate to this story because I know that not everyone will stay with you when you're on a venture. It just happens. When you do something risky, 
daring, when you are on an undertaking that takes immense courage, not everybody's in for the ride. Which is why, in the end, we only know about two of these guys. And I want you to, they, they were told to go in and check out the promise, and then they come back, verse 25, and it says, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying on the land. So they were there for 40 days. They come back, and it says they brought back word to Moses and to all the congregation. So all of the people that left Egypt believing that God is going to give them a permanent home, that it is going to be in a place that's flowing with milk and honey, when they approach it, they send in these people to go spy it out. They're there for 40 days. They come back, and now they're reporting to all of these anxious Israelites what they've seen. And here's what they said. They were like, it is beyond anything we ever imagined. It is amazing. It is incredible. It is like the way that God had described this. It is even beyond that. It blew us away. And you can imagine the crowd is just thrilled that finally we get to see this miracle that God promised happen. And then verse 28 comes. And verse 28 begins with, However, have you ever noticed that whenever there seems to be really good news, somebody always seems to follow it up with a but or a however? And then they say, however, the people that dwell in the land are strong, that their cities are fortified and are very large. So basically they say, hey, the land, it's beyond anything that God had ever described to us before. But taking this land, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be risky. It's going to take courage beyond anything we've ever done before. This is going to be a daring undertaking. The, the spies come back and they say, the land, amazing, incredible, blew our mind but it's full of giants. And they begin to say things like, the same God who brought the plagues to Egypt and delivered us from Egypt, the same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who brought manna and quail, that same God can't deliver us against these giants. We can't do it. There are giants there. It's too big of an undertaking. It's too risky. It's too daring. We can't do it. But the Israelites saw giants. They saw a risk too great, a journey too daring, an undertaking too big. Church, every venture appears impossible when you or I take our eyes off Jesus. When we stop looking at the author, the perfecter of our faith, when we stop looking at the person who called us, commissioned us, sent us, and gave us our mission to begin with, when we stop looking at Jesus, I'm telling you, everything looks impossible. 
one of the things that I found so fascinating about this passage is look how they described it. In verse 33, they said, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. So they're comparing them as giants. We seem like grasshoppers. And so that's the way we're going to seem to them. You know, I told you that everybody struggles with something when they don't see themselves the way that Jesus sees them. I want to point out that it said, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. That's where dreams die. That's where vision ends. Over the three years of trying to build this building, I, I want to say that there was never a moment where I didn't feel like I was a grasshopper being stomped on by a giant. Now, that, that wouldn't be true. There was many times I fell into this trap of thinking what's possible, thinking what we could practically do, taking my eyes off of Jesus and looking out this huge giant of an obstacle of the amount of money and all of the steps and hurdles that it would take. But every single time I was surrounded by Caleb's and Joshua's. You know what Caleb said to Moses during that time? Caleb came in and he said, Moses, we can take this land. We can do this. You're right. Those people are big. The city is fortified, but we've got God on our side. He parted the Red Sea. He can take care of this. Uh, we are where we are today because there were a number of Caleb's and Joshua's that whenever I was feeling weak, came in and would encourage me and say, Brandon, we can do this. Brandon, we can do this together. Jesus has got this. Let's do this. Most of what we have done as a church has begun with impossible. Well, what happened to the Israelites that day? Well, eventually the people begin to talk. They begin to grumble. They begin to complain. They turned on Moses and Moses said, fine, we won't do what God told us to do. We won't go into the promised land. And they didn't. And God was so upset about it that he came back to Moses and he said, Moses, none of the people from this generation will ever step foot in the promised land except Caleb and Joshua. Fast forward 45 years. There was this group that said, we can't do it. It'll cost too much. It'll be impossible. 45 years Later, you turn to Joshua chapter 14. 45 years later, they are back to that spot where they were before. You see, church, when you and I take our eyes off of Jesus and we start believing that in the eyes of all of our giants we're small. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, that is always the result. When we take our eyes off Jesus, we seem small, inadequate, ineffective. Everything seems impossible. In fact, most people, when they take their eyes off Jesus, when the undertaking is too great, they quit. They stop. They give up. 
God was so disappointed in those Israelites because of their lack of faith that none of them saw the promised land except Caleb and Joshua. So here we are, 45 years later, a new generation has come to the exact same spot. This time, Joshua is leading them. Now, what is the land like now? The cities are bigger. The people are larger. The armies are even more powerful. And they're at that pivotal moment where they're deciding, should we try once again to take Canaan? Should we go into this land that God promised us? And that leads us to Joshua chapter 4, the end of verse 6. Caleb, who is now 85, that first time he was 40. 45 years later, an 85-year-old man comes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, you remember what the Lord said to Moses that he promised us concerning this land for you and I. And then he said, and I know the giants are bigger, the city's more fortified, it's even more scary. And he said, and the first time my brothers went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore to me on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. So literally Caleb says to Joshua, Moses promised me that God told him that this land will be ours. He promised it to me and I've been holding on to it for 45 years. Then he goes on and Caleb is describing himself and he says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as uh, strong as it was then. And he says, so I ask, give me that mountain. But we are people that are always going to see a mountain with the help of Jesus and each other, going to conquer that mountain. And once we do, we're not going to rest. Because there's more mountains that need to be conquered. There's more people in this community that need Jesus. There's more people in other countries that need to be fed. There's more things that need to happen. This is not the first building that we will build. Eventually, our Everett campus is going to need a new building. Our Palouse campus is going to need a new building. Eventually, we're going to launch new campuses. Eventually, our Mill Creek campus is going to need an addition on this building. Why? Because we are venture. We are people that live a life that is risky, courageous, daring. That is the type of undertaking that you and I have signed up for with Jesus. This is God's venture for us. It's risky, it's daring, it's courageous. 
So Caleb says to Joshua, he says, give me this mountain. My favorite part of this entire section is the ending because we don't hear anything. We don't, we don't get like some climactic battle. Um, if this was a Hollywood movie, it would build to this moment and then you would see this epic battle. I mean, it would win an Oscar. But instead, it jumps to verse 13 when it says, Then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. There's no battle. We don't read about anything. In between verse 12 and 13, we know that there was a battle, but we don't read about it. You know why? Because the battle didn't matter. You know what mattered? What mattered was the fact that they believed, that they had faith, that they kept waiting, that they kept believing. The battle was that they didn't give up. Honestly, the actual war to win the land of Canaan, it didn't matter. That's right. What mattered is there was a group of people that still believed. Adventure, we don't ask, are we finally done? Are things going to change? That's not how we operate. As we become Venture Church, when we, we enter into one risky, courageous, daring undertaking after another, once God comes through, what we do is we ask, all right, Jesus, what's next? So Canyon Creek Church on the Palouse, what's next? What's next for us? I just want to quickly share three things. Number one, this is the thing that, man, God has been just laying me out over. And I, I, I just, I want to say this, that you guys have led the way in this first principle so many times that I have learned a ton about how to live this out by watching you. And the first thing that will define us in our next season is we will become spiritual contributors and not just spiritual consumers. That we are a community of people who are all actively growing, actively giving, not in the same way, not in the same uh, function, but we are all gifted in different ways and we matter to the kingdom of God. And so if you're here and you're looking for a professional, a pastor to do the work of the ministry, I would say this, that if you want to grow and thrive, if you want to be the most happy and satisfied in your spiritual walk, then you will see yourself as a contributor, not just as a consumer. And it's fine, by the way, you should grow at Canyon Creek Church. You should be a part of our Bible studies and our small groups and all of the things that we offer so that you can grow in your walk with Jesus as he disciples you to become more like him. But at the same time, you take that input and you begin to multiply it through God inside of you to become a contributor in your family, in your church, in a life group, in a growth group, in the community, whatever, wherever it is, we would like like to be a church who are spiritual contributors and not just spiritual consumers because we believe that these words of Jesus are for all believers. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of 
all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. These are words for all of us. All of Jesus' disciples are, are to be disciple makers. So we are, we are to replicate and reproduce ourselves and reproduce who God has put in us through Jesus Christ uniquely and specially gifted that we can do more together than we can uh, uh, just each one of us. What does this mean for us as a church? Well, what it means, first of all, is that I'm not going to reach your neighbor you are. That person that you work with, I'm not going to reach them, but you are. Imagine in this room, and on any given Sunday, especially when we're having two services, I mean, we're running sometimes close to 200. That's a good number, but just think about what that really represents. It actually means that in this room, there are thousands of opportunities for people to meet Jesus. And if that means what it means to you, and what it means to me is that um, the, the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life, I want to tell as many people as I can about it. Not to be, not to win a convert, to get a star, to get a little mark on my card or anything like that. And not to be obnoxious in any way to my neighbors or to my community, but I really want to just tell people why, what makes my, my uh, life different and what, makes, what made it the biggest difference in my life. You see, at 16 years old, I was a kid wandering around in a military family, not really knowing what my roots were, not understanding um, what my purpose was, and, and I was doing lots of drugs, and I was drinking a lot, and um, I was rebelling for the first time ever um, with my family, and then Jesus showed up, and he changed me. And what I want to do is tell as many people as I can about that. Like, I could care less, by the way, that they come to Canyon Creek Church or Venture Church. What I care about is that they know Jesus, and I can't reach them, but you can. And so I just want to keep encouraging you to do that. Number two, we are all going to demonstrate our love for this city and this region. And, and this is really unique because uh, the unique thing about Moscow, if I could just ask you right now, if you are born and raised in this town or in Pullman, raise your hands. Okay, look around. One, two, two, two. But you know what that means? Three. Ron, yes. Okay, three. So there's three people in this whole room that were born and raised in this city. What that means is, who, who, who are your, who's your family? We all are. Look around. This is your family. Th these are your brothers and sisters. You guys, we are in this together. We, um, this is my home. You are my family. You are my friends. You are who I do life with. And what it means is, is that God has put us in this city. And uh, by the way, you know, I've never met anyone that just can't wait, can't wait to get out of Moscow. Maybe there's, there is that person, but everybody that is here loves this region, loves this area, and will talk effusively about how, even if they couldn't stay here, they, they wish it was cheaper to live here, but they would love to live here. They want to raise their family. And did you see that article that said, oh my goodness, this is the top place in America to raise your family. We love this city. We love our region. But another reason that we love it is because God has put us here and uniquely suited us, all of us, in this place, in such a time as this to make an impact in this, in this city. And I just want to make a dent. I want to make a difference. Do you understand the difference? It's like God in me is not just to make a dent, but to make a difference. I want to see this city changed by the power of the gospel, one by one, life by life. Like, it's interesting because five years ago, I'll tell you this story. We 
had a conversation with a group of people called Family Promise on the Palouse, and they have, run, they have a ministry to homeless families on the Palouse, and we met with them, and it was great to get to know and see what they were doing. We actually had a family in our church that needed them, and so we got connected, and it was, they, they asked us, would you like to be a partner church? Well, we looked around, and we're like, you know, out of the 20 of, or 30 of us, it probably isn't going to work right now, but like, talk to us in the future, and we'd love to partner with you, and guess what? Last year, we were able to launch a ministry to Family Promise on the Palouse, and now we are meeting the needs of homeless families in this community because of who God is, because he is a God, he's an expansive God, but also because people here in this community said, yes, you know what, I'll cook some food, I'll hang out with some people, I'll be there, I'll minister, I'll share, I'll just, I'll just be present in the ministry of presence like, I mean, it, it is really cool to see what God is doing. Um, there's all kinds of things that he has done through our church. We have, we've been able to raise money and support kids all over the world and, and ministries um, across the globe from our little church community. And it's because everyone is on the mission. It's because everyone sees that what God is doing is not just taking, uh, like, one guy, lighting him on fire, and then hopefully, like, I preach a good sermon and motivate some people. It's not about that. The motivation comes from you— as you rise up in obedience to God and, and live out your faith actively in your community. And am I saying, by the way, go grab a bullhorn and head over to Friendship Square after this? And, you know, no, please, please don't. If you do that, you're on your own. But what I am saying is this. <laughs> what I am saying is this, is man, you guys are having lunch with, breakfast with, like hanging out with, grabbing a beer with, whatever it is that you do. You are, you are rubbing shoulders with people that I will never meet, never see, never get to know. And you're making a difference. And so I thank you. I thank you for leading the way. I thank you in these last five years, demonstrating what that really means, that we are not just spiritual consumers, we are contributors. So that's number one. Uh, number two is that we will honor Christ and his church with integrity, with integrity. You see, when you live with integrity, nothing else matters. When you live without integrity, nothing else matters. Integrity is everything. And one of the things that I love about this church is in the last five years, we have lived um, with integrity. We have not spent money that we don't have. We have been frugal. We have been resourceful. And look what God has provided for us. I mean, God has provided volunteer labor for things like installing lights and building cabinets and things that we couldn't afford. Chairs, the chairs that you're sitting on were gifted to us. Like, God has been incredibly good to us. And in this season, as we're growing, we're seeing that we have opportunities to do even more. But we always come back to this idea of integrity. What does that actually mean? What does it look like for us. Well, number one is we will proceed with building. And like, I love what Brandon said that, you know, the Palouse will need to buy a new campus. We will proceed with updating this building and looking for other opportunities as funds come in. One of the great things about this church is we've been able to grow and add staff and do things because we're not in debt, because we don't have huge amounts of debt. And so with that kind of integrity, it gives you opportunity, opportunity to do things. The second thing about what this means is we will continue to be open about our shortcomings. Amen? Like, you won't hear from me. Like, I'm a perfect guy. Follow me. Like, do, do as I do all the time. Like, I make mistakes. I say things sometimes. I wish I could reel back. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy, and I, hopefully I'm leading that 
as an example to you that, uh, that I'm depending upon Jesus for my salvation, not, for, not on my effort. Because if, if it's on me, uh, it ain't working out really well. So, but God is doing a work in me. And, and it's not true for all of us. I hope that we live authentic lives. And lives of integrity means, like, the thing about integrity is it doesn't mean that you show a good face. What integrity means is that the foundation is solid, that the structure is good, that if, if, you know, if the wind blows, that that, whatever has integrity is going to withstand. And the way that we get that is by we get into the word and we understand what truth is. We understand what God's truth really is. We get committed to the Bible. We get committed to growing in the word together. And that's how we develop integrity. Then we follow in obedience. We don't just read it. We're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers. So that's integrity. I don't want all of us to be a church of integrity because, again, with integrity, nothing else matters. But without integrity, nothing else matters. It is everything. And so as a church, number one, we're going to be spiritual contributors, not just spiritual consumers. Number two, um, we will honor Christ in his church with integrity. And lastly, we will lead the way with irrational generosity, irrational generosity. We truly believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. What does this mean for us? I'm, by the way, um, in case you're thinking, oh yeah, here he goes into the money thing. I'm not talking about that at all. What I'm talking about is this. We will evaluate how we spend our resources, each one of us. We will take a look at our time, our energy, our money. Where we put our actual stuff matters because it reflects who we are inside. That's scary, right, to take a look at that. But we will have the integrity to do it because it, it reflects how our priorities stack up and line up to the gospel. And we will... We will um, take a look at our time, our money, our energy, our talents. We'll be honest about what it reflects, and then we will commit to reaching out toward the community. We will continue to give and to grow and to invite and to bless people. We have so many opportunities, and the ones coming up are like a rafting trip. Uh, I believe that is the 7th of September. Uh, we have other things coming up. We have a back-to-school weekend. We're inviting people to a barbecue and we go to two services. It's going to be huge, big, great events. But what we realize is that there's an opportunity there to give, to not just show up, and, but to show up and like bring food or show up and bring um, some, some talent or some time to like maybe cook or barbecue or set up chairs or tear down or to do whatever it is to drive people with rafts down to the rafting trip. Whatever it is, like we just invite you to participate in this church. This is your church. I am so grateful, by the way, to be your pastor here because I'm, I'm just a part of what God is doing. I'm not, by the way, I'm not even, the, I'm not even in the top five most important people in this church. Like, here, here's the, number one, I'm not, okay, so I'm going to end it with this. I'm not really big into the whole church growth movement, but there's a couple interesting things about it. They say that there's three reasons that people will come to a church. Number one, number one, absolutely is friendliness. If, if they don't experience friendliness, game over. So if you're not friendly to uh, visitors, you are literally driving them away. Like that's just, that's a fact. So be friendly to visitors. That's number one. And I, can I do that? Well, I can be a part of it, but I can't do it all, right? So you guys have to do that. That's why I said it's up to you. And then so number two is the worship. Music is really important that we worship together. Like the message is number three. It really honestly is. If anything above that doesn't isn't good. Like, people just won't come. Um, and, and so all of those things, the only reason I'm saying that is this, that, that the reason we have grown isn't because of me. It isn't even because of Nicole or the volunteers that we have in the music ministry. It's been because of all of you. 
So keep up the good work. Keep reaching out. Keep noticing people, noticing details. Keep being that contributing church. Keep being that church that loves people. Invest in people. Like, really get to know them. You know what you might want to do is, after the service today, put this word into action and grab somebody and say, let's go to the taco truck, man. Let's do it. Let's go to lunch. Let's go, I mean, you know, we'll sit down somewhere. Whatever, whatever it is you want to do, just grab a coffee and, and go do life together. I wanted to say lastly, Moscow, Pullman, you've been good to us and we thank you for it. I want to leave you with one last scripture. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. And this, this scripture is going to be like Galatians, a, touch, a touchstone for me going forward. Then that is offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So when you're talking, when you're con conversing, even if it's not the most spiritual, deep thing, you, know, you are talking and speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength, what? That God provides. Many of us, when we serve, sometimes we get a little burned out, but God wants to re-strengthen us and say that you will do it with the strength that God provides as that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. We are doing this not to grow bigger, not to put more people in the seats. We are doing this for the glory of our Heavenly Father. Always, 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 God, save me from being a professional pastor. Save me from being a professional minister. I want to be with all of you doing God's work for the glory of Jesus Christ. And finally, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I want to put up a picture, finally, of the city that I love. This is my mission field. This is your mission field. Moscow, Pullman, Palouse, I love you guys. And I'm so thankful that you have made this our home and our family. And we are grateful to serve with you. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and receive this morning's tithes and offering. So thank you guys for a good five years. <coughs> it's been a great five years. Looking forward to many, many more. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for this church. Each person here known and loved by you. Some have come in today and maybe just really struggled with their sense of who they are. Um, maybe not even comfortable in church, but God, I pray that there would be a sense of mission that would land on us, God, that we are, we are created for a purpose. Our purpose is to bring you glory. Our purpose is to glorify you, and the response that you give us is, is joy. The response of our heart is, is honestly joy, a deep, abiding joy. So thank you for that. Bless each gift and every giver. In Jesus' name, amen. As the offering buckets are going by, I remind, reminder to drop in your connection card. And we did go a little bit long today, guys. Thanks for bearing with us. And um, again, just thank you so much for this last five years. My family and I will love each one of you guys. And becoming Venture together is exciting because that's really the way Sarah and I feel. Like this has been a daring, risky journey. And let me just tell you, in case you ever get have that opportunity to do it, take the risk for Jesus. Do it. Like, really do it. It's worth it. It might sound scary. It might not be the best financial decision. It might not be something that your family will give you a big high five for, but, but go for it. Do it for Jesus. Risk big for Jesus. You'll never be disappointed. He'll never disappoint you. And with that said, could you stand on your feet? And we're going to close out today.
So I want to give you a final benediction, Heavenly Father, as we go from this place, that we would walk in accordance with your word, that we would live in love with you, that we would find somebody, somebody outside our comfort zone, maybe somebody that we don't know even, taking that risk socially today to engage. Jesus, help us. In your name we pray. Amen. Encourage you guys to stick around, get to know one another. We'll see you next week. Peace out.